Sunday continues, counting down to the Nationals and the Brewers. The pregame show at 1.40 p.m. here on The Fan. Byron Kerr, less than an hour left. Talking Nationals baseball, 53-69 and 69 overall. Milwaukee at 75-49. and 49. Sean Nolan, the left-hander, gets the call against right-hander Adrian Hauser today. 2.10 is your first pitch, and 1.40 p.m. is the pregame show from American Family Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're joined now by Nationals beat reporter Mark Zuckerman from MassInSports.com to talk about the Nats and a couple of changes here after the game uh, yesterday. And a nice start to the series, Mark, winning 4-1. to one. Solid work from Patrick Corbin. Nice to see him bounce back. Played pretty well for four and a half innings yesterday. And then Christian Yelich and some sloppy uh, base running issues took place and, and decision-making. And the, the bullpen kind of struggled at the end, a 9-6 to loss. But what's your take of this series so far in Milwaukee for the Nats. Well, you know, what strikes me, Byron, and it's really been going on for the better part since the trade deadline, is that these guys are playing hard, and they're in almost every game, despite what the roster looks like compared to what it looked like prior to the trade deadline. And for a long time, it wasn't paying off with wins, and they were consistently losing games by one or two runs, and then you saw them uh, take two in a row from the Blue Jays, who are a good team that's in a pennant race. You saw them win the opener of this series against a very good Brewers team that's running away with the NL Central. And then they were right there yesterday until the eighth inning meltdown. Uh, and maybe as a result of that, Javi Guerra has been designated for assignment after his eighth inning, uh, you know, really struggles he had on the mound. And it wasn't the first time. It's been a rough go for him since he was brought back two weeks ago. But even then, they still had a chance in the ninth inning loading the bases against the uh, Hater. So, you know, for whatever flaws they have, talent-wise and experience-wise, I do give them a lot of credit for how hard they're playing, and they're showing that you know, they can still hang with these teams that they're playing. They're, they're not going to win a majority of games, you wouldn't think, the rest of the way. Right. Um, but I think they're getting something from the experience, and I think everyone's sort of learning a little bit about these young guys. I agree. There was a moment in the game yesterday when it was 4-4. Four to four. It was a tough fifth inning, obviously. They had given up uh, three runs, or maybe it was the sixth inning, probably the sixth inning. Yadiel Hernandez bounces back with a solo shot to Tide. And then Andres Machado, who I've been impressed with, yes, he's been a little bit wild and sometimes finding the strike zone, but Milwaukee had loaded the bases, and they could have easily taken the game right there, but he was able to bear down and get some pretty tough hitters out. And, you know, Mason Thompson, Andres Machado, and Kyle Finnegan the other night as well. I liked the fight I saw from, you know, obviously it didn't work out with Javi Guerra, but you know, what I tweeted about yesterday is you want some of these bullpen guys to really go after guys and not try to nibble. And Machado's throwing 96 miles per hour, so I liked what he saw, you know, for pretty much 85% of his outing yesterday. Yeah, and the one before that on Friday night, he came in uh, and and got, uh, I think it was Yelich yeah, on a double yeah. play, first pitch. Got three outs and three pitches. Um, yeah, they like him a lot. and he's, It's interesting. He's 28. I mean, he, he pitched in the big leagues for Kansas City like four years ago and was sort of out of the mix. And he came to the Nats on a recommendation from Anibal Sanchez. Wow. They were together with the Team Venezuela training in West Palm Beach trying to qualify for the Olympics. And Anibal was still hoping to pitch this year. It didn't end up happening for him. But he had been in touch with the Nationals, and he said, hey, here's a guy you should look at. They signed him. They sent him to AAA. He was really good there. They called him up, and they may have a diamond in the rough here. Um, you know, like you said, it's not consistently outing to outing. Sometimes mm-hmm. it needs to work on some stuff, but um, they've certainly liked what they've seen uh, and coming up in some big spots between Machado, Thompson, uh, Klobosits, 
Finnegan. I, I think they feel like they have the makings of a of a good bullpen there. Now, obviously, these guys are not experienced. They need to be more consistent. Um, I still feel like in the offseason, they need to go out and get somebody who's been there, done it before, just to take some pressure off of them and some workload off of them. But that's a, a decent starting point for them. And I think that is more than anything allowed them to stay in some of these games because if you're consistently not uh, holding leads or turning close games in the blocks, which was the case yesterday, uh, it's going to be tough for them to win some of these games. And as you mentioned, you know, this is not uh, playing some AAA team. They're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, you look at the at the backstop and they're saying, hey, you can buy your postseason tickets now if you lay down for 23 season tickets. I mean, this team is destined for the playoffs. And you mentioned the Blue Jays and all their outstanding players. And, you know, we've seen the Miami Marlins or other teams who would put, you know, maybe some guys that had not played in the majors, maybe AAA guys, maybe up-and-coming prospects on the field, and they don't deliver it. And, yes, it's a small sample size, obviously, three wins in the last four games. But you're right. I like the energy I'm seeing. I like what I'm seeing from Lane Thomas. He gets a start again today. I like what I'm seeing from Riley Adams. You know, these guys are coming in. Trace Barrera had some good at-bats. These guys are coming in in a major league situation and not faltering, and that's a good sign. Yeah, I mean, Adams in particular, I think, has been really impressive um, as as the catcher. I mean, it's tough to be a young catcher, and you have so much to learn about pitching staff, about the opposing hitters, and to be able to take charge of those situations. He's done such a nice job. And then on top of that, to hit the way that he has, that's like a bonus that he's providing that for them. And so I, I think there's an argument to be made that, you know, it's a small sample here. But he seems to be taking over for Barrera as their number one guy at the moment. Now, there's an even better prospect, Caber Ruiz, who came from the Dodgers at AAA, who I think everybody expects will be the starter next year. Um, but there's an opportunity here for Adams or Barrera to show they can be the number two guy. And, I mean, you, you've known it from covering this organization as long as it has. They have never been able to develop their own young catching. They have always had pretty good quality catchers, but they've been veterans who so they acquired either as free agents or trades. For the first time in a long time, they have young catchers, a whole stable of them to choose from. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of fascinated to see how that all plays out over time. With that possible answer put on the floor there for next year, do you think that this team in the offseason will go try to get a heavy hitter like a Kyle Schwaber for the outfield or a veteran infielder? Do you see Carter Kibu maybe moving to second base? Do you see Lane Thomas sticking uh, in the outfield? What, what's kind of your take as to the wish list for Mike Rizzo in the offseason? You know, I think it's the, the most fascinating question right now, and we don't really know the answer to this. Um, everything so far has been get through the trade deadline and now let's start evaluating what they have for the rest of the season. And I'm not sure they really know what the objective is going to be this winter. But I think it's a really interesting question of, do they say, hey, we are in full-scale rebuild mode, so we are not going to be spending money on anything unless it's absolutely necessary. We understand we're going to be losing games next year, but the goal is to play all the young guys, see what we have, and then approach 2023 a little differently. Or are they going to get to the end of this and say, hey, you know what, we have some pieces here that we like. We obviously have some holes in a few places. You mentioned left field. I think shortstop are the two big ones. Do you go spend a little bit of money? Do you try to uh, fill those with veterans in an attempt to win a few more games next year and maybe even somebody that could help you down the road? And I don't know the answer to that. I I think there's a compelling case for that. 
uh, as long as it's not going to cost a lot, if they don't see something in the system that's on the way, I think there could be some value in doing that because on top of that, even if they don't win next year, if you get, you know, say a, a, a Schwarber type player or even a re-signing Alcides Escobar or somebody else like that, then maybe next July, those are pieces that can be traded for more prospects. Yeah. And I'd also mention maybe a closer could do that as well. You know, as, as good as the young relievers have looked, if they went and got a, um, an experienced closer, not, not spending a ton on it, but a one-year deal on somebody who has a good first half, that's somebody who could be traded. And it reminds me of way back when, when they had Matt Capps. They did this with, they got a good first half out of him in 2010. Mike Rizzo traded him to the Twins, who desperately needed relief help, and they got a young catcher named Wilson Ramos for him. So I think those are the kind of moves that are intriguing that I could see them making this winter, but we really don't have a sense yet if that is the plan. Cade Cavalli is going to start today for Harrisburg Senators. It's kind of out of the way Mike Rizzo likes to do things, but do you think a player like that could make the starting rotation considering, you know, there is no Mark, uh, sorry, there is no uh, Max Scherzer, there, you know, Steven Strasburg question mark. Do you think they would take a chance on a hot shot prospect in their starting rotation in 22? It's, it's, yeah, I mean, he's going to be part of it at some point next year. Yeah. There, there's no question about that. I think it's a question of is he part of it opening day or not. And let's see how he does the rest of the way. Obviously, he's got all the talent in the world. He's had some dominant starts. He's also still struggling with command a little bit. He, he's walked some hitters. Um, pitch counts can get high at times. So they want to see him refine all that. We've got to remember, he was just drafted last year. Uh, you know, last year was a COVID season, so he didn't get a pitch in the minors at all. This is his first professional season. So it, there are things, all the talent in the world is great, but you have to learn how to refine it against professional hitters and usually in a lower-pressure situation. Um, would they feel like some time at AAA is important? I could see that probably being the case. I think he's also going to pitch in the Arizona Fall League coming up, uh, assuming that that league goes off. There's still some question about that, but I think they'd like to see how he does there. And then you bring him to spring training and see what he's got and see how he sits in and does he look ready? Does he need a little bit more time? Um, that's a decision that they'll make, but I think the good thing here is that they're not going to feel pressured to do it before they think he's ready. Mm-hmm. If he's ready, yeah, they'll put him in, on the team. If not, they're not going to feel like, oh, we have to have him in the big leagues right away. It's okay to give him a little bit of time at AAA, let him refine all those things, and then once he's up, you hope that he stays up for good and you're not dealing with a situation where Hey, if he has some struggles, we have to think about sending him back down again. Mark Zuckerman, thank you so much. Enjoy the game today as they take on the Brewers, trying for a series victory, and we'll see you down the road. All right. Good to talk to you, Byron. That is Mark Zuckerman. At Mark Zuckerman covers the Washington Nationals on MassInSports.com. Coming up, we've got Washington football team before we go to American Family Field. Snide Remarks is next, talking about Washington football after this. Sunday afternoon here in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Byron Kerr, with you as we count down to the Nationals and the Milwaukee Brewers pregame show just around the corner and then first pitch at 210 from American Family Field in Milwaukee. Before we get there, though, we're going to talk Washington football team with Rick Snyder. He covers the team on 106.7 The Fan and is a Warpath columnist, and he joins us here now on The Fan. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time, and, and I appreciate it. What did you think about their matchup against the Bengals this week? How did you think Ryan Fitzpatrick looked, even though they weren't able to put any touchdowns up in the first half? But uh, what did you think about the offense against the Bengals? I, I thought both the offensive and defensive lines were very mediocre in this game. Yeah, Didn't see a lot of energy, didn't see much push. They tried to establish an inside running game and got stuffed 
And the Bengals' defense isn't bad, so it's not like they're playing sissies. But, you know, these kind of games, you really look at the first string. I mean, it's the other stuff that's individuals later. But in the first groups, I, I didn't see nearly the passion of play. And I know that we're halfway through from, like, training camp to the first day of regular season, and this is a dog day game. Right. But I expected – I think Rivera is going to show this film around to people and go, get your butt in gear. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, 7 of 13. Yeah. 96 in the game and, and as you mentioned you know they weren't able to get really going like they wanted to offensively we ha- we saw some good catches logan thomas had one but then he, there were some drops as well in this contest and you know mckissick only had one catch mclaurin only one catch so we didn't really get to see a flow going i guess with the passing game they, they, it was kind of a conservative game plan a, a lot of running early on obviously jared patterson did a nice job and gibson got some touches as well but um do you think that this offense needs to kind of try to open it up against the Ravens or is it what he wants to do to kind of be careful and not showing too much before they get ready for the Chargers? Yeah, it's, it's pure vanilla time and they're not going to show anything. <laughs> yeah. But, but that said, this is now going to be the second season for offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. And I think he learned a lot about his personnel last season. They've gained more receivers. I expect them to wing the ball around a lot more. <laughs> Fitzpatrick kind of gave you his quintessential resume. Made some plays, missed some plays. Right, that's kind of who he is. But they they try to do certain plays just to see what they can establish, like like the interior running. They didn't have to do that, but they wanted to see could Gibson make that on his own. Do you really need Sean Barber on the roster to carry a fourth back to keep him? So they're doing a lot of situationals like this just to see what guys can do. Uh, St. Juice, you know, played starting corner. Right. They wanted to see is this kid looking like we think he is. Uh, you know, he's a really nice player. Uh, and they gave they gave people chances to show what they could do, so it was more of an individual assessment than a team assessment. Yeah, you mentioned Benjamin St. Juice at six foot three, a little bit different look, but as you said, he can do a lot at cornerback, and and heck, maybe at six three, he can even play safety for you too. What, what do you like about what you saw from him and his potential in this defense? Yeah, he's one of those players that doesn't have a long football life. He didn't start at six. And Pee Wee Ball. Right. You know, so he's only played a few years. I think it's potential. It's hard to say this in the NFL, but you do get players in the NFL who have a lot more to go. You think they kind of come ready made, uh, but, you know, they don't. Some of these guys like him, he hasn't even spoken English before a few years. I mean, think about that. It's like right. we talk about Samus Rays, but St. Juice is like this too. Um, he has so much more. He do. very athletic, can really stretch a field, he's a very smart player. Uh, can anticipate things. Um, you know, I, I just like his overall upswing here. He's already playing well. So how much better can he get? Uh, Jamin Davis, we wanted to see him take a step forward. He was the first-round pick, the linebacker from Kentucky, uh, trying to find find his way in the, the middle of the linebacker core there. What did you think of Jamin against the Bengals? Yeah, I didn't see a lot there again in the second straight week. And Having said that, I saw he was – Rated very high on the uh, stats when they yeah. do the reviews. Okay, I guess I just missed it. Sometimes at games, you can't always see things as well, especially when you're down the other end of the field and I'm 140 yards away. Um, so I didn't see anything to maybe say yes or no about him in two games. But at least I didn't see anything bad. I liked what I saw again from Jarrett Patterson. You mentioned putting him in different situations. He got 16 carries and uh, you know broke some tackles. I liked how he showed his leg strength on the goal-to-go situation. 
Patterson looks like a find there and kind of a little bit different back than what you get with Antonio Gibson. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like he slips under the radar in a way against these much bigger linemen. You know, I, I think he's around 5'7 or so. Uh, you wonder about his durability, especially in a pile. Uh, but he kind of like gets under tackles. Uh, and he has good vision, showed some patience, waiting for a hole to split for a long run. Yep. He can return He can return balls. I mean, he's kind of like Brandon Banks in a way. You know, a few years ago, you get these little guys that can move it. Uh, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't make the roster. And then the question is, does Barber stay uh, as that short yard is back? I mean, it won't be Patterson, but that's why they want to see if Gibson could, could do that. Right. But, you know, when you start doing roster cutdowns and they're, uh, I don't know, 10 days away from that, um, you know, you need to see, you know, you may lose that fourth running back to keep another guy. Um, just depends on how it works. Uh, so Patterson, I think, has given them everything. I liked it from day one. I saw him in rookie-only camp very early in that camp. They threw a pass to him on the sideline, and he got his feet down. Now, this is a meaningless day in May, yeah. and he made the effort to do a technically good thing. And I thought, okay, this kid wants to play ball here, and he's shown me something the whole way through. Rick Snyder, who has covered the Washington football team for several years, knows <laughs> them in and out. And I remember when I would go to Redskins Park and be able to see Rick and you know, covers him now for the 106.7 The Fan. You can find him on Twitter at snide underscore remarks looking at the quarterback situation rick obviously ryan fitzpatrick is the first uh first stringer taylor heineke got 13 attempts against the Bengals and rushed for 26 yards as well and kyle allen a slow start because of the ankle do you see them keeping three quarterbacks which would be kind of interesting or do you think that heineke could get the backup role instead of kyle allen what is what is your take on that uh possible competition I think they keep all three. I don't see any way they don't. Um, and could Allen wrestle it away in time? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, two and 2A, it's kind of the Rivera's feel. He could have both of them almost ready to go and say, how does this matchup go if I need them? I think Heineke's greatest asset is he's like a reliever. You know, it's not necessarily going to be a starting pitcher all the time, but he can come in and get some outs. Yeah. And that's what he kind of, it's a very valuable thing if, Something happens to Fitzpatrick in a game. He can step right in, make some plays with his legs. He sees the field very well. Smart guy, uh, you know. Doing Kyle Allen's got some assets too, but I think Heineke is better as a reliever than a starter uh, on this. And what you saw him, you know, eleven to thirteen, but they were all like five yard passes. Right. I mean, he's right. just bang bang. You know. I mean, the thing I don't like about him is he throws hundred miles an hour, and it's like standing in front of the jug machine to catch these things. Boom. Uh, He's got to learn a little more finesse. But, I, you know, Fitz, Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter, uh, I think, at least till midseason. And then if they look up in their two and six or something, they may make a move. But it's his job to lose. And, uh, you know, Heineke's a good value there. And, and I think Kyle Allen's, you know, it reminds me just like Colt McCoy. Mm-hmm. You don't get to see him much. They come in, they play okay, they get hurt. And then you're like, now what? Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, they may even keep Montez on the practice squad. It wouldn't shock me because. Remember, this team has played four different quarterbacks two straight years, and there's a 17th game even this year. So uh, they might keep Montez. They're trying to see what he can do. Interesting. Yeah, he had some uh, good drives against the Patriots. Special teams, Tressway locked in as the punter. Dustin uh, Hopkins uh, bounced back with three field goals, although they were under 40 yards and, and got nine points this week. And, 
and DeAndre Carter a couple of returns. What's your take, uh, uh, the biggest concern, I guess, special teams-wise, or if you have a couple of concerns as this team gets ready for the Chargers? They were a little concerned about uh, the snapping times. Yeah. I, I don't understand why they changed uh, from Sunberg and drafted a rookie. Nothing against the rookie. I just They worked for six years together, and timing is everything. So does he snap a point second faster than Sunberg did? I guess. And that was the thing they were trying to adjust to, is after six years of this way, now the ball is there just a second quicker. It makes Hopkins kind of stutter just a second, and he missed two field goals. Now they've had another week together. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Returning-wise, you know, kick returns aren't much in the NFL anymore because of the rules. But punt return, they needed something more than last year. They were awful last year. Uh, and I think DeAndre Carty, Carter has a good chance to do something. Dax Milne, if he makes the team, uh, could be a decent one. Or uh, Jared Patterson. I think they have some options this year. And you look at the wide receiving core, there's a lot of guys that are kind of the, the, you know, the, the battle for the fourth and fifth wide receivers. And Do you see any changes, any guys that might surprise? And, and you know, will Scott Turner, Ron Rivera, who do you think is going to stay in this wide receiver tight end core? Do you think Samus is going to make the team, things like that? I don't think Samus makes the team. I know they want to – everybody wants this feel-good story. But he's – what is he, 26, I think? Yeah. You know, he just played, he played his first game and got hurt. Um, and, you know, if you develop him like they're talking about, you're developing him for when he's like 28, 29. That's a long way. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's intriguing. But I don't think – I think he could be practice squad guy uh, on that. You know, the receivers, it's – you know, McLaurin's got a spot. Diami Brown's got a spot. Uh, Adam Humphreys, DeAndre Carter, I think, makes it. Uh, you know, Steven Sims is on the bubble. He's had a good camp. Uh, Dax Millen is, you know, draft pick. You know, I think he he's showing up lately to do something too. Curtis Samuel has a spot. Cam Sims has a spot. So I mean, does Antonio Gandy Golden find it? Yeah. You know, he showed something the other day. But they got like nine guys for six spots. <laughs> right, right. And and most like last year, they had like two guys. They had McLaurin and Cam Sims at the end. Now you've got all these guys. Um, you know, that's an interesting thing. I think they're going to spread the ball just a lot this year. And and wouldn't surprise me to have. Six players with 30 catches or more. You know, this team, kind of the bread and butter last year, was their defense laid, you know, led by Chase Young and, and the rest of the outfit and Sweat. Do you think these guys can be better this year? What is your take on the defense and how strong they're going to be in the NFC East? A little concerned on the defensive run, uh, you know, up the middle. Yeah. You know, they've allowed some runs there. They weren't that good at it last year. That's where they got hurt. Uh, now you have Jamin Davis in the middle linebacking to help that, but by the time he gets a guy, the guy's got five yards. Davis has a better side-to-side uh, speed than they've had in, the, in there. I think Hol- Cole Holcomb uh, also is going to really step up more this year. He nailed a guy the other day. I mean, it was just like a train wreck hit some guy. Right. He's really good. Um, I just, you know, we look at these ends and want to say, wow, could this be the next Dexter and Charles Mann? Maybe. I don't know if they can get the numbers. I didn't see anything out of them hardly uh, last week. Uh, maybe they're pacing themselves. I don't know. I mean, Chase is a real talent. So is Sweat. So uh, I think they'll be as good as they were last year. Although, remember, they let, up, they let a lot of points up last year at times. They got nailed for 30 points, I think, six different games, uh, including the playoffs. You know, they lost that playoff game not because of the, the offense, but because of the defense. Yeah. Um, so I think they still have some things to work on there. 
Well, Rick, we really appreciate all your knowledge about this team. And yes, it's a 6 p.m. start Saturday, as you tweet yeah. out. <laughs> You've never seen that before, so it'll be fun to watch to see against the Ravens. Thank you so much, Rick, for your time this afternoon. All right, thanks. That Good is Rick all. Snyder's Washington at Snyder underscore remarks talking about the Washington football team. They do play the Ravens Saturday at 6 p.m. in their final preseason game before they get ready for the rest of the season. So we are wrapping up here in Washington, getting ready for the Milwaukee Brewers and the Washington Nationals as they get ready to go here in just a few moments. Thanks so much to Rick Snyder joining us, talking about the Washington football team and Mark Zuckerman, of course, from MassInSports.com, talking about the Nats. They have made some changes here today. Austin Voth and Kyle McGowan are back. Andrew Stevenson has been sent back to AAA. Geraldo Parra stays, and Lane Thomas gets the start in center field, and Javi Guerra, the veteran reliever, has been DFA'd as well for this team. Chris Miller joined us at the top of the show talking about the Wizards. Looks like it's going to be a fun season. They start early this year, October 20th, against the Toronto Raptors. And then the Indiana Pacers arrive October 22nd for the first game of the year. Thanks so much to Linnell Williams as well. He's working hard on the board, helping us get through this afternoon. Thank you so much for listening in. A lot of fun to be with you again as we get ready for Sean Nolan getting a chance for the Nationals as he matches up against the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's coming up. Nationals looking for a series win before they head off to Miami. They'll have a day off Monday and then take on the Marlins starting on Tuesday. Nationals baseball against Milwaukee with Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler is next. I wish you a pleasant Sunday afternoon. It's going to be a fun week. Let's see what happens out there. Stay safe, and we'll see you around the corner. This is Byron Kerr having, wishing you a great afternoon on The Fan. Welcome back. Byron Kerr with you on a Sunday afternoon, counting down to the Nationals and Milwaukee Brewers. And that will be game three. Sean Nolan getting the call. Some changes for the team here. Javi Guerra has been DFA'd. Austin Voth, Kyle McGowan are back. Andrew Stevenson also surprisingly sent to AAA Rochester. And they keep Geraldo Parra, which is interesting. Mark Zuckerman from MassInSports.com will join us uh, coming up. But this uh, kind of is a big deal for Lane Thomas. He'll get to lead off and start again in the lineup in center field. Victor Robles a little bit under weather, not COVID-related, says Davey Martinez. So Thomas will get the start today. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And and will Lane Thomas be an answer for this team going forward as a potential outfielder in 2022? Does the team need to look for a veteran at shortstop or third base? These are all questions we can ask Mark Zuckerman and ask you as well. 
with the departure of Trey Turner to the L.A. Dodgers and Max Scherzer to the Dodgers. And could any of those guys come back next year? All interesting questions. Yesterday, a 9-6 to loss. They certainly showed some fight up 3-1. to They uh, watched in the fifth inning as a kind of a mess in the fifth inning as Milwaukee was able to come back, and there was a pop-up to the right of home plate. Trace Barrera, the catcher, Ryan Zimmerman for first base, and Gabe Klobositz, the the pitcher, all converged on the ball, and there was a man on third base. Zimmerman made the catch, but nobody was covering home plate, and Wong tagged up at third and raced home with a huge run that was kind of unfortunate for them that tied the game at three, and it was part of the big rally for Milwaukee, and obviously you have to have somebody covering home plate, and that was a tough, tough moment there for Trace Barrera. We can talk to Mark Zuckerman about that as well. As for the thoughts on the game, Davey Martinez in Milwaukee yesterday was asked about the roller coaster moments in this game and what stood out. Uh, well, you know, the, the big thing is that, you know, I give our guys credit, man. You know, we fell back, we gave up the grand slam, and they battled back, you know. Um, we, had, we had the winning run up, up at the plate. So, um, you know, I, I love the way that I love the way that they're just battling every day. You know, unfortunate, made a couple of mistakes, as I, as I talk about always. Um, you know, sometimes the little things are going to get you. And, and it got us today. You know, the walks, the hit batsmen, the interference, the uh, not covering home plate. Um, you know, those, those things, you know, those are the little things that we need to, we need to get better at. It's all the little things. I mean, these guys, you know, they're, they're playing well, they're doing well. But, we, you know, when, when we do all the little things right, we're on top of these games. And uh, to that, to the, today just didn't happen. That, uh, that play earlier in the game when the, when the Brewers scored there, um, what was your perspective on that? I know somebody, we got to get somebody back, you know, once they see Zim, you know, going to catch the ball uh, for me, it's either the pitcher always, you know, goes to cover home. Um, you know, you, you can't have, you can't have Carter cover because there's a guy in second base, you know, so he's got to stay put, but the pitcher's got to get to home. Um, sorry with the audio. Also uh, kind of like one silver lining in this has been Lane Thomas, another great day at the plate for him. What are you seeing just now knowing that like, a continuation from yesterday that it yesterday wasn't just a one-off yeah he's got an opportunity to play and and he's going out there and playing playing the game the right way i talked about it yesterday you know he's working good at bats a couple walks today a couple big hits for us today uh playing good defense um you know i, I love his attitude i love his work work ethic he's he's doing well so you know like i said i want i want to get him out there i want him to play and so far he's done well jesse dockerty washington post David, we're um, hobbies. You know, you always talk about how much he pounds the zone. Um, so those two hit batters uh, before the grand slam. How surprised are you that that he yanks those pitches? Um, yeah, just overall, kind of, what was your reaction there? Yeah, I was very, I was very surprised. I mean, you know, like I said, he usually pounds the strike zone. Um, you know, it gets gets ahead of hitters. You know, but yeah, uncharacteristic today. You know, he hit a couple guys and got three two on a on a really good hitter and Yelich and um you know how to how to force to throw a strike with bases loaded and uh Yelich didn't miss that pitch. I mean he threw it, you know, he threw it, you know, pretty much right down the middle, maybe a little in and um he crushed it. Yeah, I believe seven of their eight starting position players were lefties, um, with no one going to the rotation tomorrow. You don't have a lefty in your pen. So what kind of challenge is it when um matchup wise your, all your options are right-handed, and that team is so a left-handed heavy today, and, and some really effective hitters too. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, these guys, you know, uh, Machado's done well against against left-handed hitters. Uh, you know, I, I like Clovo against him. You know, if he, 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 you know, if he gets a split, 
down in the zone. I mean, he's done he's done well, you know. So I mean, that's what this is. You know, we got these guys, and they're going to get a chance to pitch, whether it's left or right. And um, so far, you know, I like I like what I'm seeing out of these guys. You know, they they, they come in, they got a great idea, great game plan, um, and uh, you know, you know, as you know, it's all about execution. And then just on the grand slam pitch, um, balancing sort of not wanting to give in, um, but also knowing there's the bases loaded. Um, can that be a tough spot for a pitcher? And, and and ultimately, kind of is that is that maybe what you saw kind of hurt Javi there since he does have to kind of be in the zone? Yeah, you know, th- I think the biggest thing was you know after you know he, he hit a couple of guys, um, he gets to three two. You know, for me, you know, it's a tough situation. Um, you got to make a pitch. You know, he felt like the fastball was the pitch that he could get over. You know, so that was the pitch of choice. And like I said, he left it where he you know he could get the barrel to it. Thank you, Javi Blanco, MassSports.com. Hey, David, what did you see from Apollo's outing? He looked like he had really good command of that curveball. Yeah, Apollo, Apollo did well. You know, he got, he got to that fifth inning, and, he, and uh, you know, Apollo gives us everything he has every, every time he goes out there. So he threw the ball well. Uh, once again, you know, when we start noticing him getting the ball up a little bit, um, and he walks, you know, walks the, first, the leadoff hitter, um, you know, to me that's an indication that, you know, he, he, he was he was good. So um, and then the rest guys came in and did well. You know, I, I know that um, – you know, uh, Harper came in, you know, and threw the ball well, and, you know, and then he comes out the next inning when, and, you know, as you all know, walking the leadoff hitter, you know, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, so, uh, you know, once it, once he does that, you know, um, but I thought he threw the ball well as well. Uh, with that walk, to, I think it was Kane by Paula. I mean, he showed some emotion on the mound. I, was he just upset that he walked him or that he missed his spot because he just missed on that curveball for yeah, strike three? He just, he just missed he just missed it you know he thought it could have went either way um I haven't seen it yet you know I'll take a look at it but um like I said you know he took you know he, he was throwing the ball well that I mean to me that's um when you walk that leadoff hitter right there that's you know that's a big moment thanks and we'll finish with Jessica Camarado, ob.com Davey, one more question circling back about Lane. Uh, last night he was saying that he likes to watch film in between at-bats, which I know a lot of players do, but what do you see in terms of just the way he's able to make like cerebral adjustments quickly and his desire to do so? Yeah, he looks He looks at you know, He know. looks at the guys before he gets up there to hit. Um, he watches what they're trying to do, especially against right-handed hitters, and then he makes adjustments as he goes up there uh, pitch by pitch. So, um, like I said, he's a student of the game. He wants to learn, and um, he gets good at bats. He takes good at bats. He stays in the he stays in, in the at bat um, every time he gets up there. As you can see, he works good counts. Um, but uh, you know, so far I like I like I like what he's doing. I like what I see, um, and he's like I said, he's a gamer. He wants to go out there and try to help us win every day. That is Davey Martinez of the Washington Nationals yesterday after the 9-6 loss to the Milwaukee Brewers. Talking about Lane Thomas, he has been an outstanding addition to this team. You look up and you see the stats, oh, he's only batting 190, but really that was a lot of the batting averages from when he was with St. Louis. Thomas is 6-for-11, a 545 average with a double, a triple, two RBI, four walks, four runs scored, and a 667 on-base percentage, and an 818 slugging percentage. So he has done a lot since he arrived, and you know, kind of the energy we're seeing from Riley Adams, from Lane Thomas, uh, from Yadiel Hernandez. Good to see as young guys. It could have been very easy, as FP Santangelo talked about yesterday on the Mass and broadcast, for these guys not to be able to deliver at this level. And, you know, they playing the Toronto Blue Jays. It was fighting for a playoff spot. Had a lot of outstanding young guys. They're playing the Milwaukee Brewers. Obviously a very, very good team. 
They're 26 games above 500, so we're not dealing with slouches here. It's not like NFL preseason when you're playing against third stringers. These guys are legit. Kristen Yelich had the Grand Slam and six RBIs, and Davey Martinez mentioning there about Paulo Espino being very upset, not getting the call in that curveball, and he was very close. You could even see how much that meant to Espino in the dugout after that when he was pulled, and Milwaukee was able to rally and eventually win the game. So I'd love to see that that gaming quality and wonder what the Nationals will do. Will they go with Riley Adams and Cabell Ruiz and Trace Barrera? Will those be the catchers for next year? Or will Mike Rizzo look for a veteran as well to kind of solidify with Jan Gomes now in Oakland? And obviously he still has Alex Avila coming back. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out in the catching position uh, going forward, maybe a question we could ask Marcus Zuckerman in just a moment. So coming up, it is Mark Zuckerman from MassInSports.com who covers the Washington Nationals for Mass and Sports, and then Rick Snyder from Snyder Remarks talking about the Washington football team. And then we've got live play-by-play of Major League Baseball from Miller Park with Washington versus Milwaukee. Stay right here on The Fan as we continue on a Sunday afternoon. 